David Northrup, head of supply chain at Theravance Biopharma, shares supply chain lessons from the world of clinical trials and sage advice on how to increase patient centricity and improve OTIF, right now on the Agile Supply Chain Podcast. David Northrup, welcome to the next edition of Tracelink's uh, Supply Chain Leadership and Thought Leadership Series. Uh, you're a very able and capable uh, addition to this. Uh, my experience with you building the clinical trials hierarchy of metrics way back in your Pfizer days, yeah. through your Thermo days, through your uh, Axion days, and, and now to Chief Supply Chain Officer, you've gone through an amazing roadmap of roles. And I think, you know, getting close, closer to the patient all the time. So uh, welcome and talk a little bit about yourself and also the clinical trial supply chain hierarchy and how it's really a really good proxy for all supplies on the supply network side of the patient-centric supply chain. So welcome, David. Well, thanks, Roddy, and it's, it's great to see you again. It's always nice to have a conversation with, uh, with an old friend, especially around supply chain topics. Um, so I have been, uh, the bulk of my career has been in the development space um, with clinical supply chains really being at the heart of what I've done. One of the key things I think then when I look at the credo and, and, and what it means to me and how you guys have framed it up, it's really about the patient. So when you look back at how clinical tie clinical trial supply chains have really started to grow and evolve. They've been always focused on the patients. The patients for clinical supplies are very niche patients. These are volunteers. We know who they are. Um, and it's very important to us to meet their needs on a day-to-day -day basis. And as you started to move back into commercial supply chain, you can see the evolution of that you know, the start of being patient-driven in commercial supply chains as well. So I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to talk about, um, you know, the, 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 the patient centricity across both clinical supplies and commercial supplies as well. And, and, you know, David, what's really interesting about the clinical trials supply chain as a proxy to the mm -hmm. supply network is that the results of non-performance are a disaster, right? Because if you don't get clinical trials supplies to a clinical trial site on time in full, they may have to cancel that whole portion of the trial. So, so I think, you know, unlike pharma, where you've got two, 300 days worth of inventory to play around with in some companies, uh, in this case, you don't. You've made very precise batches, very precisely labeled batches for very specific individual patients. And if you don't get that on time in full, uh, you may have to cancel a very significant part of the trial. So, you know, that just puts the, the angst back in supply chain in so far as patient-centric. So, so, David, you're now, you know, chief supply chain officer in a new commercial uh, venture, and that must be really exciting. So, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, patient-centric and patient-driven, and, and let me clarify, you know, what I mean by that. So, Patient-centric is the big strategic view. It's, it's almost the P&G started the shelf. It's the healthcare started the patient. Patient-centric says everything I care about is the end-to-end -end, uh, patient-centric supply chain. Patient-driven says, well, in the supply network, I can no longer rest on two to 300 days worth of inventory. I want to have really precise amounts of product. Now, the product that you're commercializing, and you don't need to go into detail about it, 
but is focused on a very specific niche of patients. And that's patient-driven. So the accurate demand forecast translated back into the patient-driven supply network gives you the whole new supply chain. So what, is, what, what are the really big challenges? What keeps you awake at night? Yeah, so it's a really good perspective, Roddy. And, you know, part of the way that I've always looked at clinical supplies and the patient focus on clinical supplies is that it's always been there, right? As we've talked about, what we're starting to see is when you, when you build up that, that cohesiveness within a supply chain and within a focus of an organization, technology starts to build in. So clinical supplies always used IRT as a way to, to track drug and drug use at a patient level. If you start to expand that out and actually look into commercial supply chains now, that's really, you know, the track and traceability aspects that are being involved within companies like TraceLink. And it's really looking at, at how that patient-driven model is really starting to build out in commercial supply chains as well. So when you look back at, at the experience I've had within Clean Supply, it is almost mirroring, mirroring the the deliveries that we want within a commercial supply chain as well and at the top of that at the top of of the hierarchy it's demand forecast accuracy and that demand forecast accuracy right is you're starting to see clinical organizations and commercial organizations start to look at data and start to look at analytics to help them find these patients and to become more accurate in terms of where they're located how they're going to be dosed how they're going to be um, supplied and what we're seeing is that the supply chain then, as it diagnoses that information, we're used to error. We're used to a lot of you know, oversupply, but we can't do that anymore. The demand forecast is going to become much more accurate. And so it really behooves the, the supply chain organization to start to become much more nimble in terms of what they're driving at. As you pointed out, there's, we're not going to have that excuse anymore of demands being off. Demand is going to be very accurate, and we're going to be able to, to provide the supplies in a very effective and efficient way. Yeah, that's a, you know, that's a really interesting point of view, and, and I would imagine that as you, know, as you now have an overarching patient-centric versus just a patient-driven role, um, getting that demand forecast accuracy as accurate as you possibly can is probably one of your biggest challenges. And, you know, I think that the industry still lives in the hangover shade of, you know, a few of the big $1.6 billion fines that pharma companies got for sharing patient data uh, across the community. So, so what are you doing about, you know, that demand forecast accuracy? Because not only is it key to what you're building and commercializing, but second of all, to all the clinical trials uh, um, processes. And thirdly, to all the suppliers that are feeding into CMOs that are making your product. So, you know, it's got to be the one factor, the one capability that keeps supply chain officers like yourself awake at night. And it does, but there's also a, a way to look at it from, from you know, different levels. So I, I typically look at, you know, um, process people and technology when I look at a, at a solution like this. And so the, the connection with the demand generators, in our case, it's clinical or commercial, they're the folks that are really, they need to understand why it's important for supply to understand the demand forecast accuracy. And so we've built relationships with those organizations so that they become 
more attuned to why that information is so critical to downstream activities. You know, that's a very powerful point. And, and I'm going to harp on that a little because you said build relationships with downstream partners. Now, traditionally, and you know the story, but it's a big pharmaceutical company in Europe where I was standing with the head of tech ops and I said to him, you know, why don't you work more closely with the account managers on the sales side? And he looked through his window and he said, right, do you see that building over there? He said, that's the sales building. I'm not really welcome in that building. So, so that's, that, you know, used to be the perspective for the chief supply chain officer. Now, when you talk about building closer relationships to understand the drivers of patient demand rather than just the numbers of usage, that's got to be a huge new scope for a chief supply chain officer. Who do you have and who do you work with in the organization to make that happen? Yeah, so what we've been doing recently is we work with not just the commercial organization and the program leads to help them understand, but also starting to dig into the informatics, the data um, scientists, and really start to, to build that relationship so that everyone really understands the importance of where we are and what we're trying to do from a supply perspective. You know, it's really interesting because obviously we're in a, a COVID type environment. So a lot of these relationship building is, is occurring via, just like we're doing now, Zoom meetings and webcams, but it's working. Like we're able to connect up individually with the teams that are located in Europe, East Coast, US, West Coast, all over the world, and have these types of dialogues to help us understand the importance of this information, the demand forecast accuracy, how that translates into a supply plan, because that's really been, I think, part of the missing elements for the, for the sales and clinical organization is understanding that translation and then why it takes so long to receive medicine over a period of time. And we've really been able to, to articulate that in a way before the demand starts to hit, before the supplies are really needed at launch so that we can start to build in a really good plan in terms of what we're, what we're establishing and how we're gonna deliver the supplies longer term. You know, it's, uh, it's great points. And I mean, you know, you sort of lead me piece by piece into the next part of my discussion. I mean, if you think about outside in and building AI and machine learning models around uh, patients and the data to desensitize, you know, patient privacy, et cetera, and, and not, you know, bring out individual patients. The point is when you can build a model of patient demand and use that in your planning systems, to go back, you can actually start looking for questions you could never answer before because you look for the patterns on the patient side and you can very quickly through the model analyze what is the impact on all the various suppliers. I mean, I, my point is, I think we're going to see this exact scenario play out with vaccines, right? I mean, it's one thing to have an approved vaccine, but it's another thing to get, you know, two uh, vaccinations of every dose to every patient uh, and every person on this planet, uh, including all the labeling, the tra track and trace, the supply, the vaccine material, et cetera. So that's how we're going to have to think about it. So, so I think it's interesting to note that um, you work so closely with the informatics and the point being, let's try and formulate the questions that we never knew we could answer before 
and how they translate back into the supplier network and to the CMOs who are doing uh, you know various things for us. So, so Dave, if if um, if you were giving me, if I was an investor in any an investor or a leader looking to sponsor you know any new commercial venture in in uh, um, patient facing supply chain in the sort of newer cell and gene therapy uh, domain, I mean, what's the one piece of advice? that you would give me to say, look very carefully at this capability. Now, I'm going to, you know, I'm conscious that I'm, you know, throwing too much into this, but the five-stage maturity model, you know really well. Mm -hmm. And if you're sitting in a stage two reactive project organization, you're not connecting the dots. So tell us a little bit about the advice you would give a chief supply chain officer starting in a cell and gene therapy operation. And I know you've just started, so... It's advice to yourself. <laughs> so really, Roddy, what I've been looking at is, I think you've done a good job paraphrasing it. Um, it is trying to take a demand and convert it into scenario planning. And we're really fortunate that working with our, our, our IT organization, there already are a lot of great data platform that can enable scenario planning for a, a variety of supply plans and demand plans. And that's really where we are. The first investment is around making sure that our data connectivity is in place, making sure that we're able to look at our um, scenario plans and convert some, some discussions that we have in terms of what markets we want to go into first, second, or third into actual models that then can translate into supply planning as well. And that's really one of the key areas that we've been um, involved in. We're then looking at the people that are associated with each one of these areas and how do we integrate the people who manage, for example, external manufacturers into those conversations? And how do we bring in external manufacturing to sit at the same table as we're talking about scenario plans so that there won't be any surprises? We want those guys to be have the same level of information that we do as a sponsor because it's so valuable for their response time to understand what we're really looking at and to get the true and actual data, uh, demand data that we require for them to actually provide the supplies. And it's been very, very advantageous so far. You know, that's a nugget. And I'm, gonna, I'm now going to paraphrase you because I think you've left us with a fantastic closing thought. You know, we all... Uh, in the technology industry, we pay a lot of attention to use cases, right? And I mean, mm -hmm. rightly so, because if you don't start off with use cases that are applicable, then you're probably you know, on the wrong ship. But if you start off with a use case, and then within the use case, you look at the personas and the stakeholders, right? You talked about the people. So agile is people, process, technology, leadership. So you have to connect the dots back to the leadership and back to the people. And then you talk about scenarios. And now you talk about all the various scenarios within that use case involving the different groups of people and what they are going to do in connecting the dots around the same table around planning. That is a fantastic nugget. And I mean, whilst it sounds very simple, I know it's not. And, and I know that, you know, somewhere lurking in that stoke, stakeholder group are procurement people who are working to a budget. And I know you have a background in that as well. How do you, you know, as a last statement, how do you manage those 
procurement and sourcing and hardcore numbers and metrics driven people who are going to say, hey, that's not in our budget. How do you manage that? Yeah, Roddy, that's that's a really good perspective and a really good question as well. And I think part of what it becomes is if you really look at what we're trying to build, it is a it is something that that hasn't been done before. And it's really around change management and being able to bring all members onto the team before they happen. So here I am looking at at uh, you know building out a commercial supply chain, and one of the first folks that I actually bring on is procurement. Um, I want those guys to be able to be embedded at the very beginning of the process because of what you indicated. We want a lot of the data sharing. We want the the informality, if I can call it that, of trying to meet demand and supply somehow negotiated into the contract. So the participation is in place so that um, you know, we're, we'll be more apt to get um, available capacity. It's those types of things where, where we really want to bring them in early. We do the same thing with our finance folks as well to make sure that our fees and our payments are, you know, in accordance with not just what we want, but what they want as well. They're going to be building up a different relationship with us than we've had with other partners. And that's really what we want to do is build them in early on and make them part of a almost like an external team, but more internal than external, if you can really, if you understand what I'm trying to say with that. So Dave, um, you know, given your new role, uh, and this is obviously a new organization, new product, you commercializing, you know, I kind of think that that must be a a really interesting challenge. So talk a little bit about how uh, that is different. Roddy, I, I am incredibly fortunate to be able to start a new supply chain without any baggage, without any leftovers or hangovers from any other challenges or any other opportunities that existed before us. I find it to be an incredibly exciting time to grab onto the technologies that currently exist and you know, really build an organization and an infrastructure on what I believe will be you know, the platform of the 21st century. We're probably one of only a handful of companies that have been able to do this. And I'm really looking forward to take advantage of all of that technology to enable our business processes to become incredibly effective. That must be really exciting. And, you know, just as a last comment before we close out, because you get a chance to get outside the box. And and the problem when you're in the box in a 20-year-old company, you know, you're going to hear, well, we never did it like that before. We can't do it like that because we're not set up. You don't necessarily, I'm not saying it's easy. So let's not bluff ourselves, but you don't have to live with those old cow paths and we can't do that. You know, you have a leadership organization that wants to be successful, is prepared to get out the box, look from the patient back at the supply chain and build the supply chain as it needs to be. And that's gotta be massively exciting. And I really hope that you are hugely successful in that role. Well, thank you, Roddy. And I'm really looking forward to uh, to taking part of this journey. Awesome, thanks, Dave. Thanks everybody, bye-bye. Bye-bye.